Consider all the works thy hands hath made. Our honorable presiding is in the house. Put your hands together for Jesus. The hymn writer is just extolling the name of God for his goodness and his mighty works. Hallelujah. Because I, I just want you to engage with me as we look at these lyrics. I know we sing it all the time. I mean, just read. The works thy hands had made, consider all the works thy hands had made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's read, read alongside with me. Let's go. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars. This one is nobody, is, is it anybody telling him all? He said, I see the stars and I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display. Hallelujah. And then the chorus says what? Then sings my soul, my savior God to do to thee. This is saying that my soul sings to thee, my savior. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art. Amen. We serve a great God. Amen. Oh Lord my God When I'm awesome wonder Consider The works Thy hands Have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displaying then sings my soul my savior God to just want to glorify your name because you are a great God the wonders of creation testify that you are a great God we don't need any other proof we can see by what you've made you are a great God this morning we are grateful as a matter of fact we are privileged and humbled that we can come before your throne to worship you and to hear from you we are grateful Amen Amen God is good. 
and all the time. It is communion Sunday this morning where we, according to scripture, by the admonition of Christ, regularly, as often as we can, we are to remember the work on the cross. Amen. Amen. I don't see any articles here, but I know you might have them. This morning, I want to preach a message that is very uncommon. But I'm hoping that the Spirit of God will convict every single person here and hopefully bring your understanding or bring you to a point where you will walk out of this place and never, never, ever think to draw away from Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Gideon, what was the title? First hand account from hell. First count. No. First hand account. Not first count a hand. First hand account from hell. I want to read Luke chapter number 16, verses 19 through 31. Presiding Elder, today, I, I hardly see him very formal and posh like that. You know, put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Yeah, today, today is just completely, totally on point and very sharp. That's my son right there. Hallelujah. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. I want you to just pay close attention to these words. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. I want you to know that there's a difference. Bible says the beggar died and the angels carried him and took him to heaven. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and said, Lazarus, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am tormented in the flames. Certain portion says, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here. And you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great 
schism has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. Nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 27. He answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen. They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is a voice from hell. This is a first-hand account of somebody who where the instrumentalist? This is a first-hand account of somebody who has experienced hell. Church of God, there is not enough preaching about hell. Most of the times, we tailor our messages to be messages of blessings, messages of victory, which is good. We are advised to take our stands as people of God and possess our possessions and live a life full of victory. That's good. But if you would agree with me, there is very little words or very little messages that speak concerning hell and heaven. Are you with me this morning? But I want to remind every single one here, myself included, that Bible says there is a literal place that burns with fire and brimstone. A place where Bible says even the worm never dies. Bible says there is a place where there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth. No windows in hell. No exits in hell. From the way scripture describes this place, it is a place closed in where there is fire that burns those in there. And the worst thing is, it is a place where there is no God. Today we have come to remember the work of the cross. And the way I want to coin this period, this short period, our understanding of the gospel and what we are going to do to remember the things that Christ did for us is that God knows that hell is so awful that he was willing to let go of his own son to die for us so that you and I don't end up there. Church, the reason why we're doing this, the reason why we have scripture, the reason why we pray, the reason why we come and worship is so that we will have a firm understanding of the gospel message, the love that God has for us so much that he prevents us from going to hell. So after all is said and done, if you and I don't end up in heaven, 
then we would have wasted our time. Then we might as well just pack everything away and, and go to the club and enjoy ourselves in the club. We might as well just do anything that we want. Hey, take 17,000 women and, and drink all the alcohol in the world and do anything that your mind tells you to do. We might as well just do that. If heaven and hell is not real, then let's just pack this thing and go away. But Bible says that there is a literal place called hell and there's a literal place called heaven. This morning, what is your choice? You see, there are certain things in the Bible that everybody put their hands on and agree. Oh, we believe this. Oh, this one is good. God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. They that are born of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God and they are overcomers. It is time, it's about time that the house of Jacob will rise up and possess their possessions. Blessings that they can reach and added no sorrow comes from the throne, come from the throne room of grace unto his people. The Lord is there with me. I will be with you until the end of the age. We all like to hear these things and we all agree. We wrap around our hands around and our minds around these messages, these encouraging words and all of us agree and hold on dearly to them but when it comes to the existence of hell coming from the same bible there are lots of controversies and the enemy wants it to be like that people don't believe that God will create anybody and the same God if he loves them sends, sends them to hell as a matter of fact I also believe that that God would not create anybody and send them to hell. But, beloved of God, God will allow you to go there if that's your personal choice. He created us as free moral beings that we can make our own decisions and, 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 and we're not zombies, we're not animals. We have our own mind and we make our own decisions. His, his word has come to us, showing us where we need to be. But if you make it a choice, that no matter what has been provided, you have no care for what is being said and you decide to go to hell, he will allow you to. But thank God, we can unequivocally, every single one here say, that we are not going to hell. I don't want to say about you. I don't want to say concerning you. I don't want to. This is me. Pastor Jampo, I know I'm not going to hell. I don't know about you. I don't know about my family. I don't know about your family. But I can say that I'm not going to hell. And I'm hoping that you listening to the sound of my voice can also say that, Pastor, not only you or me too, I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah. I am not going there because I know that I have not been invited. The last time I checked, if you are not invited to a place, you better don't go there. Hallelujah. But beloved of God, Bible says for us as Christians, we have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when all is said and done, Bible says that we are going to heaven to be with God because hell is not our destiny. He came to his own. His own received him not. But those who received and believed in his name, he gave them power to become the children of God. Children born of the spirit. Children belonging to the family of Jehovah. If you're sitting here this morning and hearing these words, I want you to purpose in your heart 
that you are amongst or searched through your hearts, better still, and then make sure that you are one of those who believed in his name and that he gave you the power to become his child. As unspeakable of the glory of heaven is, that must be how unspeakable the horror of hell is. It is actually a place. 162 times hell is mentioned in the New Testament and 70 of these times mentioned directly by Jesus. It's not a pigment of our imagination. It's not just a parable. It's not, and it's, you see, the thing is, it's not a place that those who go will go and then hope that they will be burned to death. No, you die once and there is everlasting life. Everlasting life. And then the trick is, it is our choice to enjoy this everlasting life in the presence of God or that everlasting life in the pit of hell. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that there is hell. I believe SD don't believe that. Even some established churches don't even want to go. They don't want to talk about that. And I, for myself, the last time I spoke concerning hell was in Indiana. It is not something that we talk about. Steve Hawkins, for some of you who know him, the theoretical physicist, wrote a book entitled Passing of the Time. In that book, he disputed the fact that there could be hell. He and Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton, these three great minds, don't believe that there was a God. Don't believe that there was hell. Don't believe that there was heaven. They've all been buried at the exact same place, I believe, in Westminster. And sometimes I wonder what they are thinking about right now. Somebody said, I believe it was Ravi Zachariah that I heard him say that. He said, in hell, there are no atheists. Because when you're there, now all of a sudden you know that there is God. Bible says, it's only the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. Hell is a place. It is a place for those who fail to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I don't care about how many debate, how much debate you think about it. I don't know about, care about how much you think about this deep, deeply. It is a plain scripture. It is plain scripture that if you refuse to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, there is a place for you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, you are lost. And you're on your way to hell. That is bad news. But the good news is, you don't have to go to hell because God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins, for my sins. And he rose for our justification to keep us from going to hell. I want us to interview this man who Jesus wrote about. We are not CNN. But let us hear his own accounts. Bible says there was a certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen who, Bible says, he fed sumptuously every day. Every day. This guy, he lived the life. Every day was a party for him. He dressed extremely well. Bible says purple. He dressed in purple and fine linen and fed every day. In those days, the common meal was bread and maybe some soup and, and some wine. And, and then, but this guy, every day was a party in the home. They would kill goats. They would kill cow. 
I don't want to drift into carnality, but there are a few other choices that I can use. A type of food that this guy would cook and enjoy. He drove, I mean, he dressed in royalty, expensive clothing. When you research the kind of clothes that is being described here in Luke, means that even the dye that they used to, to, to make the linen into purple in those days was imported from Tyre. And it doesn't say it in the scripture, but when you read the account of the kind of dress he wore, it says that they believe that even his underwear, the undergarments, they were all imported. That time, they were all imported from Egypt. Expensive purple robes. Linen. He probably dressed like Pastor Jampo. Clean. Put your hands together for Jesus. I know some of you were thinking like, yes. He dressed probably like Pastor Jampo. The Bible says that this Lazarus, who was poor, sat by his gate. Passed by the beggar. This man, this rich man, passed by the beggar every day. He feeds and probably wipes his hands on the bread and just, and just throw it out for this beggar. Never once did he give a second thought about Christ, about God. Lazarus is poor. This man is rich. But all of a sudden, beloved of God, the scene changes. Both men die. And Bible says Lazarus is transported to Abraham's bosom. And this rich man, with everything he had, was buried in the ground. Beloved of God, if you don't know God, when you die, you are buried. And that's it. You wait till the day that your body will resurrect. And you'll be judged. And when you study scripture, Bible says that those who don't know Christ, they will be judged to condemnation. And those of us who know Christ will be judged to everlasting life. So I ask this man, so what happens in hell? What happens? And I can hear his voice saying that there are no exits. There are no windows. There is no God. Hard as you try to die, you cannot die. There are screams. And people are tormented. There are flames everywhere. The wicked is burning in this place. But I can also hear this man saying that, but this place, hell, is filled with memory and remorse. This is the message, so just hang on tight. This man, upon interviewing him, is telling us that the place called hell is filled with memories and remorse. In hell, he sees Lazarus. He looks at Lazarus up. And when he was alive on the earth, he looked down to Lazarus. He would walk through his gates and see him down. And now in hell, he's saying that I looked up to where Lazarus is. Let me just pause here and say, let us stop looking down on people. You didn't hear me. Let us stop looking down on people. Every saint 
in this district, in this house, in this room, in this PIWC has a past. Every sinner has a past. But thank, thanks be to God, every saint and every sinner who is here right now, who is in this district, also has a future. So let us be careful how we treat one another. It will surprise you to know that if you lift man to make certain decisions or judge other men, it will surprise you to know the litany of the past that they can bring concerning their own fellow young man or woman. Human beings don't forget. I have been told before that no matter what you do as a pastor, it's okay. There are certain things that you do as a pastor that we know that God can forgive you. Not can forgive you, will forgive you if you go to him. But for us human beings, we will not forgive you. A fellow pastor, a fellow senior pastor told me that. In this ministry, if they ask you to do this, and you decide to deviate from it, and it comes to us, we know that God will forgive you, but as for us, we will never forgive you. They said there are two things that you cannot afford to do in this ministry. Church of Pentecost, our money and our women. If you touch any of them and you go before God, we know God will forgive you. But you touch our woman, God forgives you, but for us, for us, we will never forgive you. I told my wife that is the best advice that you can ever get. Hallelujah. Let us stop looking down on people, looking down and judging them. That was just by the way. God needs every single person in this room. The interesting thing about this story is that he had been with Lazarus for all these years. Bible says he comes out of his house and he's sitting there by the gate. Never once did he consider who this guy was. And now all of a sudden he is saying, oh, this guy can probably do something for me. Abraham, Father Abraham, can you see, this man is a very interesting guy. Because even in hell, he is still trying to command the shots. He said, Abraham, can you send Lazarus? Let him go and dip his finger in the water to come and cool my tongue. Even in hell, he is trying to behave as a boss. God needs all of us. He had been with Lazarus for all these years. He failed to give his life to Christ. The memories are beginning to come to him. He remembers exactly what happened in the life prior. But where he is, he can't go back to change anything. He stays there and said, Abraham, send Lazarus to come and help me out here. 
Abraham said it is impossible. But he said, can he just dip his finger in the water to come and cool my tongue? This man had been with God all the time. He had all the chances in the past. He had all the opportunities. His memory, he's remembering all the things that he would have done in the past. He is conscious. He is telling us that in hell, you are conscious. You know what you're doing. You can see, you can feel. But it is too late. Let us not wait until it's too late. In your life right now, here on this earth, beloved of God, don't wait until it is too late to find your God. Don't wait until tragedy has hit before you find your God. He said, Abraham, Send somebody. If Lazarus is not able to come, that's fine. But I have five brothers. Can you send somebody to go and talk to the five brothers and tell them that this thing is real? Abraham said, it's late. All of a sudden, this man is an evangelist. All of a sudden, he wants to preach Christ, but it is too late. Beloved of God, don't wait until things are too late. This is, this is it. This is the time. Don't wait until it is impossible for you to do anything in the house of God. This is the time. Don't wait until you are incapacitated or unable to speak to the people. This is the time. Amen. Sometimes you make ministry so difficult. Sometimes you put the burden and the work on one person or a few people. Beloved of God, let us rise. Let us rise up. Let us not wait until it is too late before we step out and say that now we are evangelists. Now, right now, right now, you are an evangelist. Right now, you are an usher. Right now, you are a prison worship leader. Right now, you are an instrumentalist. Right now, you are in a hospitality team. How many of you come together, convene together, talk about church, talk about PIWC growth, talk about how we move forward in the course of the week? Most of you just plummet and come and then just sit in the pews on a Sunday to receive from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those are also the days that the Lord has made. Do something. Let it not wait till it is over. Don't wait till it is impossible before you step out and say that no, I'm an evangelist. Do it now. I know that I might not be friends with you after this message, but that's fine. That's fine. Weekday morning devotion. Most of you will not even call. Weekday prayer meetings. Most of you will not even call. Bible study. Maybe three, five, seven, ten, maybe. Choir practice. Maybe show up today, don't show up tomorrow. Beloved of God, a time is coming when you will not have that opportunity anymore. I'm not saying you'll go to hello, but a time is coming that you will have that opportunity. I always say this, and I will say it every time I get the opportunity until I leave this earth. I came to this country in 1996. And for those of you who are mathematicians, from 96 to today, I think it's about 26 years. And those 26 years, 
they came by like this. I don't know how they happened. Hallelujah. Please, I want you to engage because I say this all the time and it's important. I don't know how much you guess my age to be, but whatever you guess my age to be, I know one thing that the next 26 years ahead of me is going to come like this. If you are 40 right now sitting here in 26 years, it will, just come, it will come in a flash, in a twinkle of an eye. You will be 40 plus 26, you will be 66. If you are 50 right now, that 26 years that just came by like that, 50 plus 26, you will be 76. If you are 60 right now, plus 26, you will be 86. Time is not our friend. I don't know why you're laughing at me, but I said time is not your friend. Hallelujah. That little baby Isaac, 26 years, will be 26. I think that is more poignant than anything. That baby will be 26 years. What are you doing? What are you doing in the house of God? Again, I'm sorry, what are you, what do you think, what comes to your mind in the course of the week? Do you even think, okay, do you even think about God in the course of the week? Or are you just cruise control? You go to work, you come home, you sleep, you go to work, you come home, you sleep, beloved of God. There's going to come a time that you will have the opportunity to even do it. Now is the time. All of a sudden, he said, Father Abraham, send evangelists. Abraham said, Moses and the prophets are there. They should listen to him. And you know what he said? He said, when somebody comes from the dead and goes to talk to them, they will hear. My response to him is that somebody came from the dead. His name is Jesus. He resurrected. He came out of the dead and came to give us this message. What this man is saying is the truth because Jesus died, went to the dead, came out and delivered the message of peace and love and we believe him. So if this man giving us a first-hand account from hell saying that this Jesus because he resurrected, what he says, you need to believe, beloved of God, you bet you need to believe. If you are here and your relationship with Christ, you know how it is. You, as a matter of fact, you don't even know who Christ is. Or maybe, maybe still, you don't care. You see, I'm begging you, don't risk. Don't risk this life. Somebody might say, Pastor, what if we die and we find out that there is no heaven, there is no earth. Then my answer is, if you say it's to be 50-50, what is, what if you found out that it is true? I would love to live my life as a man who likes to dress well, but knows God and secures his soul into the hands of God than to live as a man who dresses well and lives his life haphazardly and dies and confronts God, what are you going to say? Beloved of God, let us rise up. Let us rise up. Tell your neighbor that be careful, be serious about this. Say, be careful and be serious about this. I'll bring the message to an end very shortly. P.I., I'm... I'm I apologize. I mean, I don't come here often, so when it is in my heart, I have to just release it for you guys. Amen. Amen. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. This rich man is in hell and is convinced that where he is, he will never be able to come out. Let us not wait till we get there. The wages of sin is death. But in Christ, we have eternal life. Let us begin to have faith and trust and hope in these words 
of wisdom. These words of power. These words that heal our soul. That Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. On the third day he rose again and gave us life. Let us begin to understand that in him is deliverance. In him is salvation. In him is joy. In him is hope. In him is the power. The power, the Bible says that he has the power to lay down his life and pick it right back up. And that same power that resurrected him from the dead, Bible says that power lives on the inside of you. Those of you who believe in his name. God? Do you know Christ? Or are you just walking through? Or you just don't care? The Spirit of God is here this morning to arrest that feeble heart and humble heart of yours and bring you into the kingdom, bring you into the family of God. For there is going to be one day theologians talk about divergence of destiny. There's going to be one day when the main clock of this whole universe, which is the clock of your heart, will stop beating. And when that clock... You see, one of the things that... I've forgotten which celebrity this was. But she said, the one thing that frustrated her is that she didn't have control over time. She wakes up in the morning and it's 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Say, hey, time is racing. He said, I have no control over time. That was the one thing that frustrated her. The news to her is that one day, that time will stop. And for us, God has built that time in our system, our heart. Keeps beating, keeps clocking keeps going, never stops. No matter how bad it is, it keeps popping, it keeps beating until one day that time will stop. And when that time stops, clearly in this scripture, you come face to face with everlasting life. The realm of God, the place where God dwells, where time has no effect, Stepping outside, God dwells outside of time. There's going to be a time that we will go outside of time and meet this God in a place that is life everlasting. What are we going to do? Another celebrity also, the one they were interviewed, said, I don't, I don't, see me, I don't believe in God. He said, I don't believe in God. I believe that when you die, that's it. And then he paused and said something profound. I was saying with mommy that has stuck with me. He said, I don't believe. I believe that when you are buried, that's it. But he said, but I can't think. He said, when I think about it, it suffocates me that you're going to be silent forever. And that frustrated him. He said, I think about that and that, that gives me, that does something to me, to be quiet and silent forever. And he said, and then I was wondering, okay, so in that, if there is another world, then what is happening to those who are quiet and silent forever? Like quiet, the quiet is suffocating. For us, absent in a body, is presence with God. So there is no quiet like that. Rest in peace does not apply to me directly because I'll be hearing the angels singing. And if God permits, I'll be joining in the angels in songs. I'll be beholding the streets of gold and enjoying the place called heaven. Let it be your motive. Let it be your, 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 your aim, your objective to go there. And beloved of God, it is simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Hallelujah. Believe that God saved, believe that he is a son of God. Believe that he died. Believe that he was buried. Believe that he rose from the dead.
Believe that he ascended on high. Believe that he forgives your sins. And because Jesus knew that, he knew that the disciples knew that he was the son of God. That's good. Check. The disciples knew that he was Lord of their lives. Checked. That is why when he resurrected from the dead, he needed to make their salvation complete. So he appeared to them when they were gathered. The Bible says he popped in there. No room, no doors. They have locked the doors. He just appeared so that they would believe that he rose from the dead. And when he breathed unto them, he said, Peace be still. When they received that breath, their salvation became complete. For us, we have that. We believe that he is Lord. We believe that he died. We believe that he rose from the dead. So what are you waiting for? This morning, if you don't know him, if you don't believe in Christ, if you have, if you have if you've spent your life very apathetic concerning who God is, you don't care. Come to Jesus. I'm begging you, give him another chance. Give him another chance. Blame it all on him. And give him another chance. And his hands are always extended to receive you. Shall we be on our feet? Shall we be on our feet? Hallelujah. With all eyes closed, I want us to take this portion of our service extremely seriously. The keyboardist can just give us any tune.